0: across the land. listeners and welcome to the can't sleep cast my name is patrick michael thank you so much for tuning in so happy to be here guys i'm really excited about this episode because this is the finality of the cursed films shutter docuseries and my main reasoning for being excited about it is not that it's over it's that this particular episode was saved because this is involving something that i've already researched I already know a lot and uh, this particular movie was created off of a very popular TV series called The Twilight Zone and they made a feature film. The director is a very well known name going by John Landis. And you're probably wondering, what was this movie cursed? What was the curse? What happened? Because I'll tell you what, this is one of those things that I didn't know much about until I started just looking around online, found out that this guy, John Landis, was involved in something very horrific. But is there more? Is there more than just the first thing that I already know about? either way I've done an entire podcast episode about the incident that we're going to also discuss within this episode but this is the final episode of the cursed film docu series we're talking about the twilight zone movie and John Landis is the one of the main the most known name I'll say within this subject matter so once again thanks for joining me guys let's dive into this and talk more about this crazy film This crazy accident, right here on the Can't Sleep Podcast. Okay, so before we actually get into this cursed film review here, uh, shout out to Shudder, once again, S-H-U-D-D-E-R, that is where you can find all of this uh, docu-series and watch it for yourself. It is as entertaining as one can think. But before we get into that, I want to give you a little back history on uh, John Landis and who he is. Just for those of you that aren't aware, the man is a very famous director. He's done such things as Michael Jackson videos, uh, The Blues Brothers, Beverly Hills Cop, uh, so many great things. Three Amigos, just an amazing you know, uh, com- uh, compilation of films, Trading Places. Which actually came out the same year as the Twilight Zone movie. Um, National Lampoon's Animal House. The Kentucky Fried Movie. Just so many very well established uh, comedy cultural hits. And John Landis has been in the game for a long time. He's been around for a long time. So to deny his credentials is ridiculous. But uh, this cursed film series has been very entertaining and informal for sure so let's uh let's talk some more about this here so one of the first things that they start to mention at the beginning of this episode is how when the 1970s came and went There were so many great films that came out through that era, but it did feature this whole running wild type of situation in Hollywood and the filmmaking where they were very rambunctious. The films were very artistic, but at the same time just uh, dark, very dark themed. They had a, a certain vibe to every one of the films, and I agree with that. But what does that say about the 80s? What does that say about the 90s? And even now, films have continued to progress and be more free, I guess you'd say. I mean, when you think about the way films were... I mean, when you think about movies in general, things like The Matrix wouldn't have been possible whatsoever 40 years ago. You know what I'm saying? The way that it has grown has definitely shown in, in the industry, for sure. One of the more disappointing things that I found out watching this uh, docu-series is that uh, one of my favorite production companies that puts out a lot of great horror is called... It looks like it says Bloom House, or what you would assume is Bloom House, Assume is Bloom House, But I found out that it's a Blumhouse. So, you're like, damn, that's not as ominous sounding, but they do talk to the VP over at Blumhouse for a lot of these uh, these movies because they're very well-versed, apparently like that guy from Conan O'Brien's podcast. Uh, Gormley or Gromley, whatever his name was, Matt Gorley. Gorley? It doesn't matter that much. My whole point is this uh, Twilight Zone in itself my history with it is is very minimal. I feel like I've only ever seen like two or three episodes. I don't think I've ever... It might have only been this movie. I don't know. I don't have any recollection of any of it, but I just wanted to make sure that that was known for the, for the listeners so that way you guys are aware that I've never seen this Twilight movie. I just know the history because I've researched this case, and it, it's pretty grim. It's only going to get more grim the further we get. I just wonder what they're going to cover. Now what I do know about the Twilight Zone is it is very popular. It featured a lot of very good actors before they were even famous. And it's one of those hit shows that they have certainly tried to remake and recalibre to put back on television and it hasn't really panned out. I think they've even recently done it in the last couple years. But uh, I, I don't believe that any crazy accidents like we're going to discuss has ever happened since this incident. So you find out that John Landis and Steven Spielberg were the ones that actually came up with the idea for this Twilight, Twilight Zone movie. And I think that just goes to show you right there that even as far back as... 1983, 1980, you were seeing Hollywood subscribe to the idea of, hey, we can quickly turn this TV show into a movie. We can turn that book into a movie. We can take that movie and simply remake it, add some better effects. huh? Quick and easy. That's quick and easy money, folks. Now, outside of the fact that John Landis is one of the biggest names involved in this film, you can't forget Steven Spielberg, but you also can't forget one of the main victims and that's Vic Morrow and uh Vic Morrow actually was an actor who had done many many films he had been around the block. he's not new to this he's true to this, and he's in shows like Combat for you know uh five years the Bad news Bears uh. Fantasy Island, Magnum P.I., I I mean, he's all over the place. Uh, Vic Morrow, you know, when I heard the name, I was like, you know, that sounds like a name I have heard. I've heard people mention this guy before, not just because of this, but he is also the father of actress uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, who you might recognize from Weed's. Uh, The Hateful Eight. Uh, She's in all kinds of stuff. She's very famous. I can't. She's in something else more recently that I can't remember, but The Hateful Eight. Did I say that? Um, Single white female, atypical, white boy Rick, uh, Morgan, Good Time, LBJ, Amityville, The Awakening. She's all over the place. Very, very famous um but that was her dad and he is a victim here he actually dies in this in the filming of this movie and yet somehow it was still released and it just reminds you of the crow but with the crow the family actually wanted him to release the movie because it was to be Brandon's coming out party basically oh. Now, is that the same situation here for Vic Morrow? Probably not. But Vic wasn't even really impressed with John Landis. He wasn't impressed with him as a director, but he was already impressed with Steven Spielberg. He was happy that he was working with him, but you have to wonder, how was Steven Spielberg so established so early? It's crazy. Now, the entire idea behind the Twilight Zone movie is They basically just use the idea of the Twilight Zone from the show. And then what happens is, in the movie, a guy is transported to three different racist things. Eras. Locations. And he has, he's forced to experience what it would be like to be... He's forced to see what it's like to, uh, be, to be the victim, basically. I've never seen the movie, but that is the gist of it and that's that's basically what they've they've said in this docu series so Vic Morrow is the he's the star and he's the one that's forced to go through these things so the whole <clears throat> the whole thing is is I believe Vic Morrow in the movie is supposed to be he is supposed to be a racist guy who is forced to go through these three different sections where he is like I said turned to the victim and in the movie there has to be some something to redeem him and what that is is he is forced to save these two orphan Vietnamese children and that is where tragedy ensues because the reality is outside of the movie that doesn't happen. Nobody is saved. I mean, maybe he saved them to a certain degree, but a helicopter crashes and takes his life and the lives of two children. And it's because he want, you know, John Landis wanted this to be the redeeming scene. Now... Could they have went to other lengths to avoid having a live helicopter? I'm sure. But here we were in the age of Hollywood where you pretty much had free reign. The studios weren't really going to stop you from doing much. And that's where this situation happened. And I'm sure things changed from there. Stipulations were emplaced. Now, before Vic actually runs into what he thinks is allies, or he, before he actually goes to protect the children, he runs into these soldiers who immediately start firing at him. And what makes that so crazy is they fired live bullets, and that was because John Landis wanted it that way. He wanted them to be able to shred up the greenery behind Vic. So after he comes around the corner and makes himself known and they start firing immediately, he's jerked out of the scene off to the side and they fire live bullets. So right there, you're already putting your actors at risk. Like, come on, man. So John was definitely pushing the limits on this film. Uh, Extra high explosives that definitely didn't help with the plane or the helicopter floating over the water. Uh, possibly hiring children illegally due to the danger that was going to take place within the scene just so many things around this particular movie and him being the director seemed to be extra right like he was doing way more than necessary to fill the space that was simply this movie like dude Just do what is asked of you. You don't have to do the extra because at one point when the pilots are in the helicopter and they're doing screen tests with the explosives, the pilot remarks that it is a rough scene. And Landis is reported to have said, well, if you thought that was rough, you haven't seen anything yet. So then they go on to interview uh, Kane Hodder who has experience with stunts going wrong where he tried to do a fire stunt and burnt 45% of his body third degree and then it shows this guy named Lloyd Kaufman who came up with the Toxic Avenger he works for Trauma Productions and apparently he's just extra cautious uh, when he makes his films they're very low budget and uh, he's just a very eccentric fella. Not really sure what he has to do with this other than just proving the point that on set safety is very important in saving lives. And then also keeping from the possibility of creating a curse or the idea of a curse within the culture of horror movies. Now, when this all does go down, you can see that the explosions are way too close to this helicopter that's coming in to help Vic save these children. Because he is, he's just running through the water, carrying these two kids, and their parents are sitting there watching. And as the helicopter comes down, I guess one of the production designers screamed to Vic to run. Because he could, he realized that the explosions were way too close to the helicopter, so he's like, "Run!" He tells Vic to book it. Apparently, it looked like he does try to, and before you know it, the helicopter comes down, and the blades, the blades clearly are the first thing that hit the kids and Vic. And as far as the production designer is concerned, it chopped him in half right in front of their parents you guys that's just wow wow and this is what happens when a certain director takes things too far because Vic himself was having concerns he was worried this wasn't going to work out but because John Landis was kind of fiery he didn't want to try and talk back to him So he just let it go and went on to do the scene. And I would think he was a pretty old guy at this point, too. I would think that most action stars in today's films would have the same trouble getting going faster through water carrying two kids before a helicopter comes down. Like, how bizarre. And then to know that there's five cameras that got this on film? Wow. Just, wow. And, I mean, uh, what else do you say to that? It's so crazy. And it only gets crazier because I think they were only sued for, like, 62 grand. At least that's what they said right here is, yeah, 62 what? So by the time they do actually go to trial uh John Landis is let go the production doesn't get in any real trouble they do have to pay fines I'm sure the family got some money it's just so crazy that stuff like this doesn't have to happen and they they certainly made a point to say they really couldn't point a finger at any one person responsible for this accident and I guess that's true it's true maybe it was a miscommunication Uh, some of the mathematics were off and some of the explosions. I don't know. But, uh, crazy. But this is the finality of Cursed Films docu-series ending with the Twilight Zone movie. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This has been the Can't Sleep cast. I've been Patrick Michael. Good night.